Well, good morning. Let's pray. God, we are grateful for how you put people in our life who love us and challenge us, who come alongside of us during the difficulties. And uh, oftentimes they just remind us that, uh, hey, it's all going to be okay, uh, that, uh, that, that the other side, there's, there are blessings to the other side of, of difficulties. And Lord, I thank you for your word that just instructs us to, to pour into one another, to mentor one another, uh, to love one another in response to the love that you have for us. And I pray, God, that today as we open up your word, you will speak your love and your truth and your hope to us. I pray that our hearts and our minds will be open to, God, what you want to communicate to us this morning. And uh, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, well, hey, back in 2009, Tom Hanks was named uh, one of the, the 100 most interesting men in the world. I don't know what he did that year to be named that, but, but he was recognized that as that in Time Magazine. And in an article about him to kind of honor him and recognize him for this achievement, uh, Meg Ryan, who was his co-star in a couple of movies, Sleepless in Seattle, You've Got Mail, which I think were pretty much just the exact same movies, just, you know, maybe rewritten a little bit to make more money. But, but Meg Ryan uh, wrote these words in this article about Tom Hanks. This is what she said, if I ever had to be stuck in a long line... I would like to be stuck there with Tom Hanks. It wouldn't matter what we were waiting for or how long it would take to get it. It wouldn't even matter if it was the kind of line that we had to camp out in because it went around the block. It's nice to stand around with Tom. He is excellent company. And I thought, you know, that's a really nice thing to say about somebody. And it got me thinking, who is in my life that I would be willing to stand in a line to nowhere with? <laughs> Who's in my life that I would want to stand in a line to nowhere with? And the first person that came to my mind is Tim Thompson. Uh, Tim is one of our worship ministers here on staff that uh, usually, usually sits behind this piano that Shauna did such a great job uh, playing this morning. But Tim is just one of those guys that whenever you're around him, you just kind of feel better about life. Uh, he has a way of making you smile. He has a way of making me smile, making me laugh. He has a way of you know, he can be serious, but he doesn't take life for himself too seriously. And whenever I'm around Tim, I just feel refreshed. He's, he's a breath of fresh air in, in my life. And so he's definitely somebody that I'd say, yeah, I, I wouldn't mind standing in a line to nowhere with him. I asked my wife that same question this week, and she said, Tim Thompson. I was like, you know, I ain't even mad. I'd, I'd probably, yeah, I totally understand that. And it got me wondering then, well, who would Tim Thompson choose? as that guy. And so I sent him a message out of the blue this week, and I asked him, hey, who would you stand in the line to nowhere with? And he said, man, I hate lines. Uh, after 10 minutes, my feet start to hurt. Do we have to stand or do we sit? Either way, I think my answer would be no one. And I replied to him, I said, Tim, I chose you, but if you're going to complain this entire time, I'm going to choose somebody else. <laughs> so what about you? Who, who would you choose? Who is somebody in your life that you'd say, yeah, I'd stand in a line to nowhere with that person? Do you have a person in your life that just kind of, it's fun no matter what you're doing with them? The person that, uh, that, that just always seems to kind of lighten up a room when they walk into it or lighten your spirits when you spend time with them? A person that when you leave 
from, from being with them for a little bit, you just feel refreshed. Do you, do you have someone like that in your life? I hope that you do. I think that Jesus was that type of a person. I think that, that Jesus was the kind of person that, that people just loved to be around. And no matter what he was doing, they just wanted to spend time with him. I, when, I, when I read through the Gospels, which are the account of Jesus' life, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, they kind of just tell the story of Jesus' life. When I read through the Gospels, one of the things that I love seeing the most is how Jesus absolutely drove the religious people crazy. He drove the religious people crazy. They were the ones who killed him because they didn't like him. He just had a way of getting underneath their skin. But the outcast, a society, the ones who were broken and hurting, the ones that the religious people had, had labeled as sinners and didn't want to have anything to do with, those people loved Jesus. And Jesus loved them. He ate with them in their homes. He walked with them in their streets. The, the ones who knew a good party when they saw it, they were the ones who were most drawn to Jesus. Think about that for a minute. The ones who knew a good party when they saw it, they were the ones who were most drawn to Jesus. And I think it's because they found something in him that they had looked high and low for and they couldn't find anywhere else. They found something in Jesus that they could not find anywhere else. Jesus brought satisfaction and joy and refreshment to their life like they had never experienced before. And once they got a taste of true life, like they didn't want to settle for anything else. Like once they had really tasted and experienced what true life and true satisfaction felt like, they didn't want anything else. They only wanted Jesus. And when I think about the type of church that we want to be at Sherwood Oaks Christian Church, I think that captures it so well. I cannot think of anything better. For us to be a place where people absorbed in their own self-righteousness feel uncomfortable. Because those of us who are lost and hurting and broken, those of us who acknowledge our need for a Savior because we know what we need to be saved from, those of us who acknowledge that, you know what, we don't have it all together in this life. We, we are finding new life in Jesus, and we are not settling for anything less than him. We're in week six of our series called This Is Us, and, and in case you've, you've missed it or maybe you're new with us this morning, I want to kind of fill us up in where we are. Uh, over the last six weeks, we have been taking a look at like our mission statement. We've been looking at our values. We've been looking at these core statements that make us who we, we are, that talk about, you know, where we're going and, and how we're going to, to get there. And, and I want to give just a really quick plug on something. Uh, we're, we're going to be closing this series out next week by talking about what it means uh, to partner with us at Sherwood Oaks Christian Church. And some churches call it membership. We like to use the word partnership because membership sounds like it comes with perks. And I'm telling you, membership at Sherwood Oaks doesn't come with any perks. <laughs> Like, you don't get a parking spot closer to the front. You don't get a preferred seat in the back. Uh, membership does not necessarily come with, with perks. Uh, but partnership, partnership, that's what we want you to be a part of. 
Uh, we, we want to, to you to partner with us in what God is doing here locally and around the world to bid, build his church and his kingdom through Sherwood Oaks Christian Church. And so if you've been checking us out for a little while, uh, maybe you're looking for a church home, we would love for you to join us next Sunday and say, I want to I place my membership here and partner with what you guys are doing. If you have any questions about that, if you want to talk more about what that means to be a, a member um, after service, stick around. I'm going to be right up here and I'd love to talk to you a little bit more about what that is, what that means and what that in, entails. Uh, but we're going to talk about that next week. This week, uh, we're going to be looking at our, our final value, value number five. We create fun and refreshing experiences. And just to give you a little bit of a recap, just real quickly on what all of these statements are, our, our mission statement is people helping people grow generations of Christ-led influencers it's very relational at every step of it. It's people helping people. We are in this together. Uh, we, we are for one another. We are with one another. People helping people grow generations of Christ-led influencers. Jesus is our focus. He is our goal. And we want other people to know and love and follow him. Value number one is we live like God owns everything. Again, not we give, but we live like God owns everything. The things that he has entrusted us to, remember what have we been saying? We don't hold on to them with closed fists, but with open hands. And we say, God, how do you want to use these things for your kingdom, for other people to know about your love and your grace in their life? Value number two, we mentor across generations. We saw a great video right before the sermon uh, that, that I think really captures what that value means. We mentor across generations. Value number three, we think like everyday missionaries. That all of us who are followers of Jesus, we have been sent out on a mission to make disciples. And our mission field is wherever we happen to find our feet. So whether that is at work, at home, in the community, at the ball field, that's the mission field where God has called us to reach people with the love of Jesus. Through our one life, that is our, our mission field, that person who is, who is not yet a follower of Jesus. God has put you in that person's life uh, to, to help them know and, and love the Lord. Value number four, we tell life-changing faith stories because it encourages us, it encourages us to hear what God is doing in the lives of other people. It encourages us to be able to share our story of what God is doing. And then value number five, we create fun and refreshing experiences. And we thought that it would be fitting to talk about this value on Mother's Day uh, because I'm sure that all moms would say that motherhood is the epitome of a fun and refreshing experience. Can I get an amen, ladies, right? Maybe not, maybe not so much. <laughs> um, I know that you would not change it for the world, moms, but I'm telling you, you have uh, one of the hardest jobs in the world. Moms, single moms, especially, it's the hardest job in, in the world. And we appreciate everything that you do for your family, even though it's not always fun and refreshing. But what does this value mean? If you have a Bible, I invite you to turn with me to John chapter 4. And hanging on to it right there, John chapter 4. If you have a Bible app that you like to use on your device, you can open that up as well. John chapter 4. And of all the values, uh, as, as the teams were putting these together, and, and I've shared with you before, but it was, a, it was a long process filled with elders and staff and deacons and leaders in the church, members of the church. It, was, it took a, quite a while, many months for, for these to be developed. And, and unfortunately, they were all put together before I had the opportunity to be on staff at Sherwood Oaks. But what I've heard is that of all of the values, of all of the statements, this one was the most controversial. 
This one was the one that drew the hardest lines. People either loved this value or they had a really hard time with it. The people who loved it were like, no, absolutely, because our faith should be fun and refreshing in our lives. And, and the people who had concerns, they're like, well, if, if fun is our only goal, then maybe we're, we're missing the point. But at the heart of this value is the, this idea that God has brought joy into our lives. At the the heart of this is that God has brought joy into our lives, and that joy should be expressed in everything that we do. Jesus tells us in John 10.10 that the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. And I think that so many Christians and churches have allowed Satan to completely steal and kill and destroy the joy that is theirs in Christ, even to the point where maybe you spend some time and you're like, I don't want what you have because what you have seems miserable, I don't see the joy of the Lord in you. It's because I think they've allowed the enemy to steal some of that out of them. But Jesus says, I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. Jesus says, my mission, my desire is to bring life wherever I go. When Jesus comes into your life, there should be a freshness in you that is noticeable to others because Jesus brings life wherever he goes. And we believe that the church should do the same. Like if we are truly following Jesus and Jesus brought life and refreshment wherever he went, then the church should do the same. In the Gospels, when people spent time with Jesus, they left feeling a sense of joy and life. They left feeling refreshed and filled with hope, the, the people who are really looking for something. The, the people who, who, again, were confident in their own self-righteousness and their own goodness, they, they left angry at Jesus. But those who were really looking for something in their life, they left those moments with Jesus feeling satisfied in a way that they've never felt before. And we want to create those experiences here at Sherwood Oaks. Now, that doesn't mean that Jesus didn't deal with people's junk. He absolutely did. But it does mean that he dealt with their sin in a way that made them feel like they didn't have to carry the load of their guilt and shame around anymore. And after spending time with Jesus, their burden was lighter than it ever had been. And if you've ever experienced that in your life before, you know how fun and refreshing it is to know that you've been forgiven, to know that you've been set free to know that you don't have to carry the weight of that baggage around anymore. It's why Jesus says, come to me, all who are weary and heavy burden, and I will give you rest. He takes that load off and he says, I have gotten rid of this for you. Look at our text, John chapter 4. I love this story. Jesus is traveling with some of his disciples from Judea to to Galilee. And the shortest distance between these two places would have taken them right through Samaria. But but many Jews would actually go a little bit further route because they they didn't want to go through Samaria. There was no love lost between the Jews and the Samaritans. In fact, you could even say they they hate each other. And one of the lessons I learned from my my mom, who I remember this morning on on Mother's Day, is hate is a strong word. Don't say that word, but but it's kind of a, it's fitting in this context right here. There was There was a hatred between the Jews and the Samaritans to where they would go out of their way to avoid one another. 
But, but Jesus came to tear down walls that we want to put up. And so Jesus didn't go around Samaria. He went right through it. And verse 6 tells us that at noon, so get the, 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 the image in your mind, recreate the scenario in your mind. At noon, it's the heat of the day. Jesus had been walking for a while with his disciples and they reach the well. He's hot, he's tired, he's hungry, and he's looking for something to drink. And look at what John records in verse 7. It says, it was about noon and a Samaritan woman came to draw water. Now let's stop right there because this is important. Remember, it's high noon. It is the heat of the day. And I've been to places around the world that still draw water from a community well. And I'm telling you, they don't go out to get the water at high noon. <laughs> they go in the morning when it's still cool. And what happens is that as they go to gather water, it kind of becomes a gathering of people. It's almost like a social event of people who are surrounding the well and they're catching up with one another and they're talking about their, their day and what they're going to be doing. They meet up with friends and they do it all in the coolness of the day, in the morning, not when it's noon and the sun is at its hottest. And so what's going on here? Why is this woman collecting water at noon? It could be because she ran out at some point during the morning and she had to go back and get more. But my guess is that she has other reasons for being there when no one else is. Look at the rest of verse 7. Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? Now, there's all sorts of cultural things that are going on here that we don't have time to, to get into today. But with this one question, Jesus is tearing down racial and social and gender barriers that have existed for centuries. For centuries. And so much so that, that he's, he's catching this woman off guard that, that Jesus would even strike up a conversation with her. Look at what happens in verse 9. The Samaritan woman said to him, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus said to her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Well, now she's totally confused by this interaction. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us this well and drank from it himself as did his sons and his livestock? And Jesus answered, everyone who drinks from this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will ne never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Now, the woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. There's a lot of emotion wrapped up in that request. And she hasn't quite made the connection yet that Jesus isn't talking about this well or the water that's in it anymore. He is talking about the abundant life that only he can offer. The water that he's talking about is this refreshing flow of salvation and grace, of freedom and love and mercy. That's the water from Jesus for our souls that just kind of wells up inside of us and never runs dry. And her heart isn't engaged in that conversation yet. 
her, her head is there, but her heart isn't. And Jesus is pursuing her heart. And so he just kind of cuts right to the chase in a very abrupt manner. Look at verse 16. He told her, go call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Now notice how short her answer is. Hey, this woman has been very conversational up to this point, but now Jesus has touched a nerve and she got real short. She doesn't want to talk about this. And I think the reason why she doesn't want to talk about it is the same reason why she's at the well at the heat of the day when no one else is. Jesus said to her, you are right when you say that you have no husband. The fact is you have had five husbands and the man you have now is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. So this is the reason why she finds herself at the well at noon. She's trying to avoid being the object of the town's gossip. And, and all of a sudden, the Samaritan woman doesn't like where this conversation is, is heading. But Jesus always has a way of doing this in our life. He has a way of getting to the heart of an issue with surgical precision in a way that makes us feel uncomfortable. Maybe he's done that in your life a time or two. He's definitely done it in, in mine. And it's what he does to this divorced, hurting Samaritan woman who is just looking for satisfaction in life and trying to get her water without being noticed by anyone. But Jesus notices her. Jesus is, knows her story. He sees her and he loves her still. And, and I'm telling you this morning, I don't know where you are. I don't know what life is like for you right now, but I want you to know that Jesus notices you. He knows your story. He knows your pain, your burden, and your heartache. And he loves you deeply. He loves you still. The conversation continues. She tries to change the subject. She's, she's had enough, but Jesus just keeps bringing it back, and he muddies the water through it all. Verse 25, the woman said, she's thoroughly confused now, and the woman said, I know that the Messiah called Christ is coming, and when he comes, he will explain everything to us. And then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. And look what happens in verse 28. Leaving her jar of water, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? Most of the people in this woman's life were not fun and refreshing. They were judgmental and mean to her. They were cruel, but Jesus was different. And she left after being with Jesus filled with life and joy that was not only noticeable to others, but it was also contagious. Verse 30, they came out of the town and they made their way towards him. They were curious. They're like, okay, we know you. We need to go figure out who just made you feel this way because this is different. And so they go out and they find Jesus. They spend time with him. Look at verse 39. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony who told me everything I did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them. This is, 
This is important. Don't, don't gloss over this. They urged Jesus to stay with them. And he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. They said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves and we know that this man really is the savior of the world. Jesus brought life to their lives and they were never the same. He showed them grace and mercy and love and I imagine that's why they begged him to stay for a couple of more days. Jesus, stay with us longer. You don't want someone staying with you that makes you feel like a rotten failure, right? You don't want someone staying with you that makes you feel like you're not good enough or like you'll never be able to measure up to their standards. You don't want someone staying with you that sucks the life out of you. You're typically not looking for reasons to be around that person. You're typically looking for reasons to get away from that person. And so the fact that they begged Jesus to stay with them longer to me shows that Jesus left them feeling refreshed and renewed and they didn't want him to leave. They wanted more of Jesus. And I imagine that a church that is focused on creating fun and refreshing experiences have that same effect on people today. It's not that we gloss over or we dismiss sin. Jesus didn't do that, and the gospel won't allow us to do that either. Jesus made this woman at the well come face-to-face with her brokenness, and he showed her love and grace through it all, and it changed her life. And the same is true for all of us. Each one of us, in our own way, we have added to the brokenness of this world, and we have experienced the brokenness in this world. We have added to someone else's pain, and they have added to ours. And we have to acknowledge that even if it's painful, even if it means owning our own junk and going and asking for forgiveness, not just from God, but from others too. Jesus makes us come face to face with our own sin, but he doesn't stop there. He goes on and he says, I took the punishment that you deserve so that you could have the life that was mine. You could find abundant life in me. And when we realize that we're all in the same boat, that we are all in need of God's grace, when we realize that, then all of a sudden it becomes a lot easier to give grace to others and receive grace from them when we realize that all of us are in need of God's grace. None of us have it all together. So as a church, here's what we are going to do. You ready for this? You with me? Here's what we're going to do. We're going to be a church where it's okay to not be okay. We're going to be a church where it's okay to not be okay. Can I get an amen on that? Come on. That's what we're going to be. And we may not always get it right. But we're going to strive for this. Because all of us have our junk All of us have brokenness. All of us have pain. None of us get it right all the time. Life is hard. God loves us. And we love you. And so this is going to be a place where it is okay to not be okay. You don't have to have all your stuff together to belong here. We're going to be a church that takes off our masks and we get to the heart of our issues. We're going to be a church that carries each other's burdens instead of piling more on top of each other. 
We're going to be a church that talks to people instead of about people. We talk to people instead of about people behind their backs because there's no place for that in the kingdom of God. We all have blind spots. We all have room to grow and we all need one another to help us get there. And so we're going to have hard conversations to each other instead of the easy gossip behind each other. We're going to love and build one another up. We're going to be a church where it's okay to not be okay. You have permission to not be okay here because I think it's only then that you can encounter truly the love of God and the grace from others in this community. We're going to do this by following Jesus' example. We're going to take the gospel seriously, but we're not going to take ourselves seriously. We're going to laugh together. We're going to love others no matter who they are or where they've been, no matter what they've done or what's been done to them. We are going to love them and we are going to love you. And we are going to do our very best to create a fun and refreshing experience for you to find God's grace and the abundant life that Jesus has to offer. This is why this value is so important. And we invite you to help us live this out. Can you do that? Let's do it together. Let's pray. God, thank you for the refreshment that you bring into our life through your presence. God, thank you that that for those who put on the mask and who wore the robes and who, who put on the good face and made it look like they had everything together and that they were just fine on their own, man, Lord, you wrecked their lives. (laughs) Oh, they hated you. But God, for those who were broken and hurting, for those who were lost, who had experienced the most difficult times of life, you were near to them and you showed them grace in a way that they had never experienced before. And Lord, I pray that 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 we will demonstrate that here at Sherwood Oaks Christian Church, that for those who don't have it all together for those who are hurting and who are broken and who are lost, that they will find a home here. And that through our openness to say, God, we need you, that you will come into our life and make a difference and make a change type that only you can do. And Father, I pray that that we will have our eyes open to folks who just need a hand, who, who need a word of encouragement, who need an arm to be wrapped around them, who need a friend to sit down and have coffee with them. That we'll get into the mess and the difficulties of each other's lives, not because because of a gossipy way, but because we truly feel their burden. We want to rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. And so God, the only way that that's gonna happen in our lives and in this church is if your Holy Spirit takes the lead. And so, Holy Spirit, we pray that you will help us to become that kind of church. Thank you, God, for your forgiveness in Christ where we fail, where I fail in that. But, Spirit, would you please lead us in that direction? We cannot do this without you, and we desire to be this. We desire to be a place that creates fun and refreshing experiences for people to find your grace and your hope in their life. Let it be, God. Let it be. In Jesus' name.